It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Clustered TV podcast. It is Matt, I hope you're all well. Joining me for more uh, TV chat and reviews, we have got uh, Sarah once again in the Birmingham area. How are you, Sarah? The ever-reliable Sarah Kennedy is back again to talk about telly. I was very cultural yesterday. Did a, a show with choir in the morning, popped into Birmingham for lunch and then ended up seeing Of Mice of Men, of, of Mice and Men rather, at the rec, which was just like, yeah, random theatre day. I can totally recommend it, especially a couple of days after payday. It's very doable. Mm. <laughs> and as long as you don't live in London as well, random theatre days are quite good. I mean, we've got a pretty good range of theatres and sort of art centres and stuff around here. But yeah, it's easier to keep it random. If I lived mm. anywhere near the West End, yeah, I'm sure that would be very much trouble for my bank account. Did you hear how much tickets are to see, is it Paul Meskell in Streetcar Named Desire, like £400 or something like that? Really? So, and uh, also joining us today, um, back once again, it's Milo. How are you, Milo? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I've been the opposite end of the cultural scale and watching a lot of football recently. So, <laughs> Arsenal women's are playing at the moment, and I saw the Arsenal men's game yesterday. So, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan for clarification. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't, then yeah. you'd be worried that you were yeah, hate just watching. watching so much football. <laughs> and yeah. that, ladies and gentlemen, is called balance. <laughs> and then there we go. And I went to the Arsenal Women's Champions League game earlier in the week. We played Bayern Munich and beat them. So I'm very pleased with that result. It was a great night out. And um, I felt the side effects of it when I was back at work the following day, but it was definitely worth it. But you're still young, Milo, you see. You yeah. can still get away with it when you're sort of mine and Sarah's age. You know, it's. Uh... Mm. Yeah, it takes a, a couple of days, doesn't it? It does. What are the ticket prices like for that sort of game? So the men's is impossible to actually get tickets to at the moment <laughs> because I think they're using Ticketmaster, so all the bot accounts get on there and then just drive up the prices. But for the women's, at least at the Emirates, it's actually affordable. Okay. So you can get, I think, a lower tier is around seven to ten pounds, and club level is like thirty pounds. So oh right. Yeah, not too bad. Um, considering That's really good value. Yeah. Go and support the women's <laughs> teams there is the message, I think. And I haven't really been doing that much. I did a lot of walking yesterday. 
And I've been watching a lot of TV, which we'll get to uh, in a moment. Our reviews this week, we are talking about Rain Dogs. That is uh, the new Daisy May Cooper comedy drama, uh, co-production with HBO. Magpie Murders, which was previously on BritBox and is now uh, showing on BBC One ahead of the sequel that they've commissioned. On Apple TV Plus, we've got the Big Door Prize, which is an adaptation of the books, and that's starring Chris O'Dowd. And then over on Prime Video, we've got another book adaptation, uh, The Power, which stars an ensemble cast, Tony Collette, Eddie Mars, and people like that. Uh, but first, what have we been watching? Milo, I'll start with you. Uh, what have you been watching on the old telly box? I've been watching quite a lot of things this week. Um, Hello Tomorrow, I've been really enjoying it. Okay, so well, how really... did you find that? Because you were on when we reviewed that, weren't you, Sarah? And you and Gary weren't particularly fond of it. And I haven't gone back to it It was it just, yet. it felt weird. Not in a good way, yeah. in a sort of off-putting sort of way. I think that's what drew me to it. I think there's the odd quirky 50s. Is it Man Men? Is it more sci-fi? Is it, and the actors are really good. And it's just, so tightly packed into the 30 minutes. I don't think it could have sustained a whole hour. I think it's definitely made a lot more beneficial in the fact that it's 30 minutes long. Blue Lights, I'm liking as well. I've only watched the first episode, but it doesn't paint Belfast as the most attractive places to visit. <laughs> <laughs> probably visitors have a nice time there, but if you actually live there, probably yeah. a lot more difficult. I think if you're a police officer, you don't do well there. I think that's what they were we're trying yeah. to get at with that. Yeah, it um, doesn't paint that role in particular in a good light, but I really liked its kind of gritty, the wire type sensibilities, I think. And then finally, Lionsgate Plus recently did, I think it was a three-month promotion for 99p a month. So that's just coming to an end. Trying to binge watch quite a few of their shows. And I really like BMF, which oh, is a okay. kind of uh, gritty 80s set drama crime gang and drama is really well done this season's been a bit more character driven and it's kind of worked out that well with the way that they use the filming kind of plays into that to make it look as though it's actually shot in the 80s with the camera work and of course the soundtrack's great as well from that time period so yeah would recommend that if they ever do a offer again i've heard of it i've seen it written down but i've not really seen anyone talk about it so that's it. yeah i think i'm like the only person that watches it <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised at this point <laughs> milo very helpfully puts a, a thread of uh, all the tv shows he's finished on his twitter as well and you were the only person i think i know i don't think sarah you did this you finished better so i was just wondering yes. sort of your views on that i think it kind of wrapped up it did feel a bit Hollywoody in how it wrapped up, but I kind of liked the message of the show. So that it was going for it's about the quest for redemption. I did think it kind of paid off. Um, I don't think it needs necessarily a second series. So I don't know if it was a limited series or if it's going for a second series, but it does what it sets out to do quite well. I think I do appreciate that it didn't go for like a big shouty final showdown type finale and that really worked in its favour I've gone back to that and I've watched okay. up to episode 5 mm. where I would say they do have a bit of a showdown Yeah. Um, there's a gun, there's pushing and shoving it yeah. all looks quite serious it does feel a little bit like work it has been a bit of a yeah. slog to get to this point but now I'm here, it's another hour spent in their company mm. and I can do that that's kind of the vibe that I got as I was going through the middle episodes and then by the time we got to like episode four, it's kind of like, I'm at the end, I might as well see it. <laughs> Feels like perhaps it should yeah. have been condensed then, maybe maybe the six episode run was yeah, too much. Yeah, definitely 
feel like they could have is it not a five right, it's five episodes oh god so it felt yeah. like six but <laughs> right, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> have you finished it and not realized <laughs> no no i haven't finished it <laughs> okay not that uh, bad and and sarah on to you what have you been watching i've really been enjoying blue lights as well i think i'm up to i think i've watched episode three now and each episode it just expands out further and further into the historical reasons why the police are hated the sectarian reasons it's all really interesting how this gang culture has developed and how a lot of the police just shrug their shoulders and go nothing we can do about it but obviously the sweetly naive grace is actually getting stuff done there's a, a showdown moment there as well between her and two upper middle class people and she handles that beautifully like a social worker with real balls and also i have uh, started yellow jackets which is exciting can't say that episode one was particularly thrilling it did feel like they were sort of trying to remind you of what happened and put all the pieces back in play yeah and for me i've actually done uh, quite a few this week i just wanted to quickly uh, talk about race across the world i don't know if either of you have caught that but we talked about that a couple of weeks ago it's five couples and they're going from end to end of canada and we actually had a comment on this on our facebook facebook.com slash the custard tv adrian mcgrath or mcgrath sorry adrian um who actually lived worked in vancouver for about three or four years and what he said is that they're all going to need to recalibrate distances even the narrator didn't seem to have a grasp of that canadians don't measure distance in length measure it in time ask someone how far something is and you'll get the answer in minutes hours or days Hearing the narrator say they only have 24 hours together, 400 uh, kilometres is almost comical. That's a morning drive. And then he goes on to say uh, the father and daughter who keep getting taxis seem doomed. The Scottish woman seemed pretty irritating. I'm hoping he's talking about the show, not Dawn on the podcast. Um, And he says Laddie, who is the other father of the father and daughter, um, seemed like a local. His attitude will get him a long way and presumably his daughter will start to recognise that taking time for people rather than things is pretty rewarding and he's actually gone on to talk more about Canada and how they're doing things and he also didn't like the way in episode two there was a scene where Laddie they got the loan of a van and it didn't start and then the next time you saw them they were camping so they didn't actually explain what happened there that's sort of how these shows work sometimes isn't it that they they don't always give you the resolution but generally I'm enjoying this series I think they've cast it really well I don't, Sarah, have you been watching it or yes I have I do like it and I suppose after watching the previous two series that, that I thought oh Canada will be a bit of a doddle won't it you know we share a language people are very you know internationally known for being very kind it's going to be easy peasy but yeah as Adrian says we just do not think in their distances it's incomprehensible to us and it does seem really strange that they do talk about these time limits on things because if you are relying so far they're relying a lot on the kindness of strangers there's very little public transport so you can't be like oh you've got 24 hours to travel this distance you literally can't the race is against each other not against the clock and I think they they have to um make more of that I think to make it seem like there's more jeopardy like the jeopardy is realistic the two brothers who mm. don't seem to like each other, I don't know why they're there, especially the guy who is shy and nervous and a bit cowardly about every situation. I think that's Michael. 
They're called I Mark can't... and Michael, so it's hard to remember which ones. I can't <laughs> wait for like him to just drop his guard and enjoy himself because well, they he's... sort of did in this. Did you watch the second episode? Yes, I did. Did yeah. they do? Oh, they did on the boat. Yeah. yeah, he has a little bit, and that's sort of their story, isn't it? Them trying to get to know each other because they sort of went their separate ways during sort of like uni time. And you've got the the friends who I really like. Is it Kathy and Trisha? I quite like I them. I do like them. Yeah. Um, I thought they were great and I was really rooting for them. And then they got stuck in a park. <laughs> a big that's, park, that's so much of a British so. thing to do. Like, let's look for the tea room to get directions. Oh, and no, then I was just... completely 100% on their side when they said that. Maybe there'll be scones. But <laughs> you must have seen the show. You must understand how to hitchhike. You must. They, they're not just dropped in as like naive innocents, you know? They've got to be looked after for insurance purposes. I think so, it's the, the patience that they've got, though. Some of them are willing to stay at those gas stations with those signs longer than others, aren't they, before they yeah, give up? And... That's true. Oh, it just bothers me when people are, are bad at playing the game when they must know the rules by now. That's the eternal question about The Apprentice, isn't it? That's true. You yeah. must you must know how to play the apprentice now, but they never seem so, to. I think what I'm saying is, don't be too optimistic, but don't be too pessimistic either. Just be somewhere <laughs> in the middle and just crack on and have a nice time. That's what yeah. I want to see. It, it, the cast they've put in is a good mix, and you sort of know, apart from possibly the couple, are the only ones I sort of don't know why they're doing it. I think they've explained like the brothers are trying to get to know each other. The friends, like the one lady is losing her sight, so wants to see yeah. everything before. Yeah, you know, no, I think she's wonderful. I really like her. She loses her um, sight. And the two fathers and daughters are trying to bond and trying to get to know yeah. each other. And like, I, laddies think, gone. I think the couple were saying, uh, aren't they both high flyers in the NHS? And they've never had time to just, you know, pick up their backpacks and travel before because they've, because they've always been mm. studying or working. I think that yeah. was, was explained. But I just and I don't think they've had an, as much time, perhaps, as as the other couples, you know, in terms of the edit, they seem to. have. And they have just seem to be very outwards. successful, or at least in the last episode, everything mm. just went their way. The first episode, they just decided to go to Whistler, didn't they? And just have a skiing holiday. For most of the first episode. I mean, fair enough. Also, uh, Unforgotten, episode five. I know Sarah had watched that by the time we recorded last week. I have watched the finale, but I will keep my views under wraps until possibly next week. But episode five, we did get a big twist that one of the characters wasn't who we thought they were. Jay, who wasn't Joseph, Joseph's half-brother, Jay. Same mum who's the the woman, the precious, who's the victim, but different dad. So that sort of blew my mind. And I was like, well, who's the one that they've been talking about all this? And it took me a while to sort of separate that actually this guy is a completely different guy. And he was sort of living with his dad for some of the time, living with his mum for some of the time. And that was the big reveal. You know, you've got the, the social worker coming back to the UK and the big thing about him being into upskirting women, which... Um, and sort of Tony Hume's involvement in everything as well. And again, the, the reveal about where he fits in with the with the family, really, as well. And what he's trying to do to get out of asking any questions. Backpacking <laughs> himself over to Switzerland, which yeah, is a bit get, extreme. Get, Getting dignitas on speed dial. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, now there's a second cold case, a second victim. So yeah. that's interesting too. And it just feels like an awful lot to wrap up. But we have faith. As I say, I've watched the finale. It is very clever how 
it sort of twists and turns and there's about four endings basically it ends after every break what i will say is there's a nice final scene between sunny and jess and i think actually they've done really well in having their relationship sort of turn a corner and them sort of opening up to each other and in the last two episodes you actually see what she is like as a police officer hopefully they'll get another series out of it because i think they've they've got that chemistry now by the end of the series i don't know if you agree was it you who said that you suspected the sister yes Mm, there you go you were bang on Mm. (laughs) how unpleasant (laughs) milo unforgotten is that on your radar at Uh, all have you ever watched it i'm i'm up to date i think i'm few episodes behind so um yeah but, but i haven't really enjoyed this season so far it's been really good and like the little touches i'm sure you mentioned this before but in the first episode when he, he buys the two coffees rather than the one that just like completely yeah. broke me and yeah. yeah it's still such a good series i think it's maintained that here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Level of high quality consistently throughout. And I'm looking forward to catching up and seeing where it goes next. Luke has has written an article about sort of the depictions of grief. Certainly in episode four of, of this series. I think it's it's really good and it wrapped up really well. So uh, we'll probably talk about that more next week. And uh, just quickly as well, I'm up to date with uh, Ted Lasso as well. I'm up to episode three. I don't know, Sarah, have you, are you? I've watched all of the ones that are available on preview. So, so this is the one where Zava all... comes to the... That's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I've watched that one. Yeah, I think he's great. Yeah, that was such a great addition to it as well. It's brilliant because I don't think they've delved too much into like the logistics of transfers and football transfers yet. So it's good to see them kind of tackle that head on. It's keeping that pace and, you know, there are at least three or four laugh out loud moments, most of them involving Roy Kent in some way. Yeah, I think if anything, it's getting funnier. I think it was re-establishing itself in the first couple of episodes but yeah i think it's hitting its stride again talking telly on the custard tv podcast doesn't that sound exciting to you let's do it ready here we go first up we have got uh rain dogs uh as i said this stars daisy may cooper and i will let uh sarah tell us more about this show so actually this is based on a memoir by someone called cash caraway um which was called skin to state notes from the poverty line uh, she says it's sort of autobiographical. There's a lot of me in Rain Dogs, but it's not my life story. Uh, Daisy May Cooper feels like a kindred spirit to this writer, having also been through so many of the same struggles growing up poor. Uh, in a recent interview with The Guardian, uh, Daisy May says, I vividly remember the embarrassment of doing a family food shop 
and having to leave everything at the checkout, which happened many times. The fear of your card being declined never leaves you. The press blurb calls it an unconventional love story, I'll say. Watching this made me think that I really need to go back to Am I Being Unreasonable, which uh, Daisy May Cooper wrote. I don't believe she was involved in the writing of this one. But it does seem like another messed up mum character. This one is stuck in poverty and relying on her wits. Her daughter Iris is very smart too. In the first scene, we see them being hurriedly evicted from their flat. And she yells at her neighbours for enjoying the poverty porn as they get evicted. And they leave in a very dignified manner. Jack Farthing plays her very dodgy best friend. Um, he's a posh lad getting released from prison. Um, the character's name is ridiculously Florian Selby. And he's back in, again, ridiculously Costello Jones's life, um, saying your life would be far less interesting without me. They smoke black cigarettes together um, and they are just absolutely as messed up as each other. He's winning at Mahjong though and showing off his language skills. She's getting sober and evicted. Uh, she works at a peep show, but she wants to be a writer. Wonderfully, Aid Edmondson pops up as Lenny uh, with drunk friend Gloria, who seems even wilder than Costello. So the first episode deals with them being homeless. She's insistent that she'll find somewhere safe to live by five o'clock because that's when a little girl comes home from school. But they end up uh, in the back of a car that they've broken into doing the homework there. Um, it's very scuzzy. It feels like the same sort of London where slow horses exists. Mm. Um, and it's got a lot of the same sort of music, I think. Very seedy. Podcast listeners of a, of a sort of delicate nature should look away now. But I don't remember seeing anyone getting up in the toilets before on a BBC show. <laughs> a glory hole actually being used for its intended purpose. <laughs> That was quite a moment for me. I, I don't want to delve that far into the back of my brain. <laughs> Answers so on the might... postcard, please, folks. Yes, please. <laughs> Costello is at her wit's end. She has to take a room off a creepy guy who, on face value, seems genuinely kind and prepared to help out a mummy and her daughter. Um, but a vulnerable woman can't trust anyone. And sure enough, he shows his true colours because there are certain terms and conditions associated with taking this room. Selby rescues them. We have had a number of hints about the reasons for him being in prison were were violent. They seem to have a terribly weird relationship because they seem violent towards each other. He comes in to rescue her, punches this guy out, but then grabs her by the throat and says, how dare you get into this situation or something like this. Interestingly, uh, towards the start of this, as he's leaving prison, we see that Selby has a photo of Iris in his cell. And I'm like, is she his daughter? No, I don't think so. Does he just feel like a good daughter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. father figure towards her. I really liked this because it felt like there was depth to every character. Every character, there was something hinted at that they weren't just two dimensional sad people struggling in poverty and this is very rare for me I immediately stuck the second episode on mm, I mean I I've haven't felt haven't felt this good about anything that that Daisy May Cooper's been in in forever really I know that she's like a big deal and I appreciate why but her stuff has never resonated with me in a way you, did you not appreciate her turn as otter on the mass singer you know I didn't <laughs> <laughs> single her out at all it's just the mass finger generally immediately desperate to find out what happens really excited by this 
I too watched the uh, the second episode. I had read, I think, the same interview you did with Cash Carraway, where she said Costello Jones isn't me. Uh, she says there's more of me in Selby than there is in Costello. But then I also read some reviews of her book, which came out in 2019, and she was a sex worker. One of them does describe the scene where she agreed to get that room with the guy with the terms and conditions, as you said. So that is taken from her life. So there are bits here that are quite authentic. That's why it it feels so good, because it does Mm. feel authentic. And it feels like these characters have got dignity and they aren't paraded Mm. in front of us to feel sorry for. It's just showing us how things really are. The arc in episode two, where she's sort of done over by someone who's trying who's sort of giving her an olive branch and then is just as manipulative as say the the grotty people who are you know like the guy who owns the peep show for example these people who are liberals and or i can put you in a good light are just as you know out for what they can get as as other people i think where it fell down a little bit for me was the other characters away from costello and iris selby and especially Gloria, and you know, we see more of her in that second episode where she works, I think, in her family funeral parlour. Did I get that right? And she has sex with the son of one of their clients in front of his dead body. For me, those scenes are obviously more imagined because they're not taken straight from her life. So those bits lost me a little bit. I did like the relationship between Selby and Iris. And I thought the young actress, Fleur Chastian, I want to say. Sorry if I got that wrong. I think she's absolutely brilliant. And she works off Daisy May Cooper so well. I think they've cast her children, Lenny Rush in Am I Being Unreasonable as well. Mm. They they obviously do these chemistry tests with her because their banter in this, Costello and Iris, is, for me, the lifeblood of it. They're only like 25 minute, half an hour's. So that is a bonus I believe it's all going on the iPlayer. One thing that I do question is that the BBC have hardly put any promotion into this at all. Now, this was a this is a co-production between uh, BBC and HBO, and HBO started airing it about a month ago. So it's been in, on in America, and the reviews have been on the whole quite positive. But here they're putting it on after the news on BBC One at ten forty. I've not seen anything on the BBC press website promoting it. I've seen a couple of interviews that Daisy May Cooper's given in, as you mentioned, um, The Guardian. Jack Farthing was on uh, The One Show. I keep telling you that people have been on The One Show. Am I a secret One Show viewer? Oh, I geez. do watch it occasionally. I can, did see... Can, can you state intervention for me, please? I think that it seems like, not that they're embarrassed by this, but they're not giving it the promotion that it perhaps deserves and certainly I think HBO have shouted about it a bit more than the BBC perhaps have and I don't know what the reason for that is perhaps because there's nothing wrong with this show maybe it's the subject matter as you mentioned in the noshing off for example <laughs> um, or, or maybe because it is obviously anti-Tory and anti-austerity maybe anti-food banks the book itself is very anti-Tory and as you said the there's elements certainly in these episodes that we've watched of the show. Milo, how did you find it? Uh, yeah, I would agree with everything you just said pretty much. But again, I got a very distinctive Ken Loach vibe from this, mm. especially in the way that it takes aim at the government through the eyes of these people. 
also something else that it reminded me of was Mood on the BBC last year. Yeah, we watched yeah. the first episode. I think Dawn got into that. Yeah, then. I did see it all the way through to the end. I definitely think it goes for similar type kind of vibes. And uh, the characters in this, the, as you said, the mother-daughter bond is fantastic. They got that spot on. Like the little scenes where I think she's giving Iris her like valuables to hide them from the... Um, Rent inspectors who are coming around, and that's really well done. And the scene with the cab immediately afterwards is just fantastic. I've only seen the first episode, but to me, as I said, the pastoral stuff is where it shines through the most. And it's a really good um, half an hour of TV, so I think I'll definitely stick around for more. I think. And actually, the sort of the value of the like the sobriety element of of it as well, and how she's desperately trying to cling to it, and she gets that little message, doesn't she, on her phone in the first episode where she's what a hundred days sober or something like that, and and there's also this sort of aspirational aspect where you know they're they're looking at these big houses that. She, you know one day we'll live in this house with this swimming pool and just like little it's not even that it's not even one day we'll live here Mm. it's just talking about what the house might look like on the inside which i thought was so sweet almost like sort of playing dolls houses i thought it was just the most adorable thing and I like how she's fine with her watching The Sopranos and stuff like that. They, they go into that quite a lot in the second episode. <laughs> yeah, because they've got the poster the very, up on the wall. Yes, exactly. I was just yeah. going to mention that as well. The very the very first scene where they... Is it the daughter mentions gangsters and removes the Sopranos poster from her wall? Because <laughs> that's one of her treasured items. They keep going back and talking about The Sopranos. I think mm. it's pretty funny. Well, she says in the second episode she's more of a Christopher than she is the Tony Soprano, the daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, on the whole, very we're quite p- positive about that one. Uh, we would point your eyes towards that. As I say, probably the best way to watch it is on... Uh, the iPlayer, unless you're sticking around after the BBC News. Unless you really enjoy programmes that have been deliberately hidden away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're sticking around after your local news broadcast and the weather and just, like, have left the TV on. And... I wonder how many people it's going to chip it up who are staying around after the weather and not expecting <laughs> deep content of what's going to go into. Yeah, not <laughs> expecting what's coming next. Yeah. But, yeah, and actually you mentioned Ken Loach, I was just going to say, when... I went on Amazon to look at the book review. Ken Loach has given one of the quote, you know, like where they have like, famous people giving the quote. So <laughs> that's Rain Dogs, iPlayer or Tuesdays at 10.40. Also all on the iPlayer now and Saturday nights on BBC One is Magpie Murders. Now this has had a very interesting journey to BBC One. So written by Anthony Horowitz based on his book. This was commissioned as a series by PBS in America for their uh, masterpiece strand. Anthony Horowitz in an interview actually said that he did initially pitch it to the BBC, but they thought it would be too hard to adapt and didn't think that viewers would get into it. Eventually, this ended up on BritBox over here. BBC then obviously saw how well it's done and have commissioned the adaptation of the sequel to Magpie Murders, which I believe is called Moonflower Mysteries or Moonflower Murders. But before that, we um, have got an airing of Magpie Murders, which is on after casualty on a Saturday night, possibly quite odd placement. Uh, Mm. But we have got the brilliant Leslie Manville here, who's portraying Susan Ryland. Uh, She's an editor at a publishing house. Uh, She is about to be promoted to manager, the head of the publishing houses. It's going to be uh, sold. Their most famous output are the Atticus Pund 
uh, novels uh, written by the exacting author Alan Conway, who's played by Conleth Hill. Susan gradually reads the manuscript of uh, Conway's latest mystery, which is the titular Magpie Murders. She's bemused to learn that the last chapter is missing. Going back to work on Monday morning, she learns from her boss, Charles, that Alan has been found dead after falling from the top of his mansion. This is painted as um, suicide and they learn that he had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. However, Susan is unconvinced that Alan committed suicide and is determined to find the last chapter. So she heads to uh, the small village in which the author lived in order to complete the manuscript. Throughout this, we also get the actual novel. Her reading the novel is, is acted out and we see that Alan has put people he knows as characters in the magpie murders so his sister uh, plays the sister of the murder victim uh, daniel mays is the police officer in the modern day and in the book as it goes on and i've watched the second episode of this it, it seems as a way of sort of having a go at all these people that he didn't really like at all uh, in real life and susan trying to get to the bottom of this while dealing as well with her family life uh, she's got a strained relationship with her sister and uh, there's something going on with their father so th there's a lot going on in this one Milo I'll go to you first because you were saying before we started recording that you're very sort of okay with Anthony Horowitz's writing uh, so what did you make to this? Uh, yeah I really liked it I think he's clever enough to know like the genre tropes and the meta feel of it all it's very much a pastiche I think as opposed to something that you're meant to take a bit more seriously and I think, although that's not to say there isn't any heavy hitting subjects in this first episode, but there's a little scene at the beginning where Leslie Mamble's character just hands the phone over to the guard and then immediately takes it back to answer the call, which I loved. I think that's great. And it's a great way to set like the tone of who your character is. And again, Leslie Mamble is just fantastic throughout. She's really good here. And um, I do think it's a bit too Saturday nighty kind of thing that you'd expect to come on at 8 p.m. on the Saturday night. BBC. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, even BBC, I feel quite surprised that it's not on ITV to a degree. I think this would be something that they. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Be more keen to take up. And I don't know how that works as well, because mm. I t you can actually watch this on ITVX and BBC iPlayer, oddly. Because <laughs> IT ITV have obviously got the link with BritBox. So actually, if you've got an ITVX premium subscription, you can watch Magpie Murders or you can watch it for free on the iPlayer. Again, I'm not sure if it's just a, a thing where the BBC have commi now commissioned the sequels, so have got the rights to show 
the first run as well. I'm probably going to stick with it, I think. I'm not going to make it my priority watch list. I think I'm more drawn towards catching up with Rain Dogs first before this one, I think. This is a very sort of gentle watch, I think. It's, it's one I've already recommended that my mum could watch while she does the ironing, for example. It feels very much like that. She's, yeah. she's quite a massive, like, Death in Paradise fan, that sort of thing, and I think that this is a bit more clever because of the, as you mentioned, the meta-narrative in this, so there's a bit more going on, and, and I think that's possibly why there was the initial worry about possibly not being able to adapt it. I know Anthony Horowitz has credited his wife for unlocking the secret to sort of the adaptation and, and the success for it. So, Sarah, what did you make of this? I know we, we talked sort of about something similar a few weeks ago when we did Beyond Paradise. So what, what were your feelings on this? Hello, it's me. I'm the BBC viewer who found it a little bit confusing and a bit annoying. <laughs> I'm the they didn't want. They've kind of put me off, honestly. It's clever. It's fine. I get it. But it it's two sets of characters to remember two sets of relationships to remember the story within the story is the character that he wrote anything like the character in real life or is he just getting out his frustrations on the page I did write down don't get excited about Conleth Hill being in this because I knew you know from reading the the press release that he wasn't going to be in it for very long but he is in episode two he's probably there doing the voiceover because Mm. the book is in his words isn't it and there's some um, flashbacky elements as well. Very excited to see Leslie Manville, who is what, late 50s, early 60s? Wearing in the 60s. Fabulous outfits, absolutely gorgeous. Also, good work. She's got a really hot Greek teacher boyfriend, Andreas, who wants to take her away to the Greek islands to live there. She's not keen. She loves London. But the very fact that she is older woman on screen living her best life, very, very happy for her ridiculously it was a bit too complicated and a bit too lightweight at the same time does that make any sense (laughs) I sort of get it yeah it's and it feels like Sunday afternoon tv to me it doesn't feel like a Saturday night dramas being on a Saturday night just generally feels a bit odd doesn't it I mean I know casualty is the one that stands out but that's continuing and that's just sort of always been there so we give it a yeah it's always pass but it's always had sort of a soapy feel to it, but then it does sort of the hard-hitting storylines as well. And the only other thing, I suppose, is is Doctor Who, perhaps, Milo as well. You know, sci- sci-fi can possibly get away with being on a Saturday night, but I think, like, mystery dramas like this do feel very Sunday. And, it just yeah. makes me appreciate the fact that the BBC is well aware of its ageing core audience. And I think, yeah, if you are in your... 50s and 60s and whatever and you really love a bit of Miss Marple I mean I do I'm not saying that I don't Mm. and I could see the nods to like you know there's a insular sleepy village that's probably in the Cotswolds it's very beautiful and all of the sort of big orchestral music that they're using for it you know um I can see the nods to it but I just I don't know it just didn't grab me um maybe it does require a bit more concentration than these types of sort of easy breezy cozy crime things actually you know it, it deserves more attention than I was willing to give it he did say that the inspiration came to him when he was because he co-created or co-adapted the Midsummer Murders as well Anthony Horowitz so when he started doing Midsummer Murders apparently the inspiration for this came to him for mm. for Magpie Murders so it's all sort of interlinked with all the crime drama stuff 
uh, that we've seen. Over the course of his life, say, is it sort of 70, 80, 90 percent of the time that Daniel Mays has to play a policeman? Must be in his contract at this point, mustn't it? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> For and every the, one show where he's not a policeman, he has to do four where he, he is. He's a, he's a criminal if he's not. I just think, like, exactly. Or he play, he's playing Ronnie Biggs. Or... Yeah, he, he can play both, yeah. Yeah. And and the second episode is much more split into this is the modern day and this is the book um, and the, I like the how bit... you keep saying it's modern day. It's not time traveling. It's fiction yeah. versus well, reality. But, the, but it is but set the, in the fifties. The book's set in the fifties. So. Yeah, that's that, that's the heyday of like um, yeah. I don't know between sort of like the tens and the fifties i guess was the heyday for this sort of armchair detective sort of thing but they are wearing sort of period fashion i suppose that's why i'm saying it's olden times but it's yeah you're right (laughs) the fictional world and the real world and the real world stuff is much more interesting and i think that's sort of what you were alluding to there sarah is i'm much more comfortable in uh leslie manville's company and you said exactly what i was going to say that this really sort of glamorous um, lady with her younger Greek partner mm. who she's she's not committing they have a conversation in episode two with her sister who's played by the brilliant Claire Rushbrook who also played her sister in Sherwood oddly enough about her not committing to this relationship but there is a link with him Andreas and uh, Alan which we're not sure what so they do try and give a bit more sort of mystique to her backstory as well and there's this fractured relationship in the family. But, you know, Leslie Manville is fantastic. I, I I just found it a bit hard following Atticus Punt. I think knowing he's a fictional creation, I think you struggle a bit. Being interested in a fictional world, you know what I mean? A fictional world well, within a fictional I mean, world. When he goes to the doctors, he's given a bit of weight because he's got basically the same diagnosis as his author. And so his author is working out his own problems this mm. way. And then there's the little flash of the tattooed number on the arm and everybody knows what that means. So I think that grabs our sympathy straight away. But yeah, he's he's a story within a story. He's fiction wrapped inside fiction. So he's quite a distance from us. I think as it goes on, the, the fictional world will start to overtake the real world because um, at the end of episode two, Pund appears to uh, Susan uh, while she's at her sister's house. So... Again, it's something that I could see sort of putting on in the background or putting on when you're having dinner. It's, that, it's a tea show, I think, isn't it? Unless it's an you get ironing a, a, show. An ironing a show. Tea, it's, yeah, a, a tea show is, an ironing show is a tea show for people who are of a slightly older generation than us. Because <laughs> my mum had my mum had ironing shows. My mum would have watched Columbo. So, yeah, this, this is recommended for your mums. Yeah, anything else, Milo? Sorry, were you going to... Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, I think. I think oh, it's, right. um, yeah, pretty much as you said it's a tv show for mums and that's what it sets out to do quite well i think and just again maybe a bit too confusing at the beginning but again i'm sure it's gonna straighten itself out a bit once yeah if it settles down i could i could see giving it another chance and actually just for leslie manville's outfits Mm. frankly yeah no she's incredible jumpsuit was divine did you see did either of you see mrs harris goes to paris it came out last year she was fantastic in that yeah yeah i I, i'd heard good things about it and that's a that's a book franchise as well isn't it so i wonder if they're gonna adapt the other ones um from there but yes leslie manville we love on on this podcast and Sarah, you appreciated that she had to make a big drink before she sat down uh, to read the manuscript as well, didn't you? 
fair play. You, you appreciated that level of preparation, the shower, the drink, the snacks. I, I actually looked at that glass intently and went, why put too much gin in mine? And then went, no, Leslie Manville says it's fine. That is enough gin. <laughs> it, was, it was like half and half, fair play to her. Saturday nights on BBC One or all on iPlayer. Now is uh, Magpie Murders. Uh, next up, we turn to Prime Video. Uh, this is The Power. I believe the first three episodes uh, went up on Friday. And uh, Sarah has read the book of this, so we'll be guiding us through it. I've brought a prop. to a podcast because I'm an idiot but also this is a way for me to say I'm really sorry Kerry I think this is your copy and I still have it sorry (laughs) so yes does she listen well I do hope so this is the power it is by Naomi Alderman and Margaret Atwood on the front cover calls it electrifying because guess what it's about women all over the globe realizing that they all have this superhero power to electrocute people and things and make fires come out like lightning bolts shoot out of their hands this was interestingly and appropriately given that is is a it's a feminist work of literature this was an all-female writer's room which included the writer naomi herself but um i've read reports of a difficult project not just because of covid multiple cast changes during filming uh, Reed Morano, um, who was the director of The Handmaid's Tale, um, is on board, but only for three episodes also left. So this one seems to have had a difficult birth. This is about young girls, especially all over the world, developing a new sort of organ under their collarbone. This is happening simultaneously um, all around the world. No expense spared on locations. It does look like there's plenty of Amazon money there, which is a good job because this is globe trotting. I remember from the book, my favourite character, I mean, unsurprisingly, was Roxy. Um, and I remember that she got a very satisfying character arc. Um, she is the daughter of a Jewish gangster, Eddie Marsden. It's actually very believable in this role. Roxy wants to work for her dad because she reckons she'd be a much better gangster than her stepbrothers. But he doesn't want her in that line of work. He offers her a job in a Cotswold spa instead. On the other side of the globe, we've got Joss, who is the politician's daughter. Mayor Margot in Seattle is played by Tony Collette. John Leguizamo is her husband. Uh, we don't get to see too much of Joss in the opening, but she's. I have watched episode two and, and her story sort of reveals more there. Ali is a silent kid with the encouraging and quite spooky voice in her head. Um, She's fostered by the religious Montgomery family um, in middle America. Um, Unsurprisingly, Mr. Montgomery uh, turns out to be abusive and his wife also knows full well what's going on, which is just terrible. Then we've also got a guy called Tunde. Um, He's in Nigeria. He looks to be quite rich, quite privileged. Um, He's a journalist and sort of like a a video Former footballer. (laughs) Used to play for Richmond AFC. (laughs) He's had a busy life already. (laughs) He gets reports from his friend and doody um, about witchcraft and juju happening in a house. He's been warned against going there. He secretly films the women there who are learning about their powers and their abilities. Um, Undudi steps in to protect him and she gets zapped, um, which he, (laughs) without her permission, I'm pretty sure, um, releases on the internet. This power, it looks great. It looks very magical. Plus, it's it's a power that's being given to the oppressed. 
Uh, that nonsense about women ruling a more peaceful world is exactly that, pure nonsense. This is all about revenge. It's about impotent rage. It's people who've been subject to intimidation and violence who are now saving themselves and society should be afraid. I think maybe it's the voice in Ali's head says to stop playing nice. It is inspiring stuff. Um, Roxy and Ali, I would say, are the ones who have the very dark origin stories. Um, and you can see all over this that it was inspired by Margaret Atwood. We are following the underdogs. Some of these girls are in particularly desperate situations. But this story comes from a place of power. And so therefore, it's not as depressing to watch as The Handmaid's Tale, which is something that I gave up on very quickly in series one. Okay. I did read the book, but, but it was... What was that, Sarah, if you don't mind me asking? It was so sad. Too grim? So brutal. Yeah, exactly. And there was no chink of hope or light or anything. And I just, my heart wouldn't take it. I couldn't watch it. So yeah, I know I'm one of the very few people who gave up in, in series one. Uh, with this, I found myself immediately wanting to watch episode two, um, in which we find out more about what happens to the girls. So in Western countries in particular, they're medicalised. Um, in other cultures, they're found to be witches. Um, and in some countries with totalitarian dictatorships they are denounced as terrorists um, I really want to see how this spins out all across the globe big thumbs up from me wasn't expecting to like it this much I don't know whether it's the book or whether it's my memory but I can't remember whether I was particularly satisfied by the ending of the book <laughs> you haven't but, put yeah. any little notes in the in the well no it's or... not my copy it's not your it's book, is Harry. It? sorry yeah. Harry. <laughs> sorry Harry. there's a little bit that I found quite a clever little device in the book, uh, which obviously they can't do in the TV show. So it starts and ends with letters between a guy called Neil and his writer friend Naomi, um, who is more successful than him. He wants her to read the manuscript and tell him what she thinks. Um, his manuscript is the story. But these letters are being written in a universe where something called the cataclysm happened thousands of years ago. And this is being written from the point of view of a female-dominated society. Uh, men face exactly the same problems that women do in real life. In the letters, you can see that Neil is being belittled, mocked, and his historical research is being dismissed. The letters end by Naomi saying to Neil, to be taken more seriously, have you considered publishing this book in a woman's name? <laughs> I just think that's really neat. I love that as a device, but obviously it wouldn't play out on TV. No. So what I'm saying is, smart writer, clever stuff, really interesting and I do hope that because she has been involved personally in the writer's room a bit like the adaptations we were talking about before you need the author to be on hand really to sort of be happy with whatever changes are needed on screen. This didn't wow me if I'm honest it does open with the the brilliant Luke special but we instead of just it being one scene and then you know we flash back we've got like a montage of all of our characters and what's going to happen to them and then we it flash does back. feel like an advert please yes. stick around for the rest of the series please and then we got one at the end saying please stick around mm. for the end of the series we got one. <laughs> feel a little bit a little bit desperate doesn't it but i don't think it's desperate in so much as i think that, that it's such a dense text i i'm i'm guessing and it's so you know there's so much going on that you don't even get to all of the characters in all the different countries in that first episode. And I think maybe the decisions on who to focus on initially, I wasn't that interested. And you mentioned Joss and her story 
you know, she goes to this inner city school. She's very much, she sort of lives online, doesn't she? And she later seen how to harness her power by someone who's already got it and has learned how to use it a little bit more. That story didn't really grab me. I think the one that got me the most was was Ali. It is Ali, isn't it? The girl who's yeah. been adopted and, and hasn't got a voice. I thought the, the performance by Hallie Bush, I think, she hasn't done anything before and was absolutely captivating you know she doesn't speak at all until halfway through the first episode she was brilliant and I was really intrigued by her story but I think when we flick to like for example Roxy it was very sort of traditional sort of like East End gangster wedding almost wasn't it which isn't a bad thing as you say when you've got like Eddie Marsden playing the the patriarch of this the monk part, they're the monks. They almost feel like they could come off the extenders sort of thing, don't they? I just think it's all a little bit all over the place. You know, it is literally all over the place. But I just think once you're starting to get a handle on something, something else happens. It feels like a book that is very hard to adapt. And that's why they have had to show like a lot of stuff before it starts and then show you the trailer at the end to try and convince you to to carry on. There wasn't enough of a spark, Sarah. There you go. For me to see you. Uh, yeah, I'm 50 50 on this one. Um, I like what it's going for. I think I'm, going, I'm definitely going to watch more. I think it suffers from the same problem that Dear Edward did. I was only mentioning it because it was, it was a show that I reviewed when I was on here last time. Yeah. And in the fact that it tries to tackle maybe one too many characters, so it can't really go into enough depth with all of them. And as a result, it can lead to a bit like caricatures in the first episode. But the more time you spend with them, I'm sure they'll go into more depth and we'll learn more about them as we progress. But for me, very much by the book, an ensemble driven narrative, I'm sure it'll progress into something deeper. But for me, not, not quite enough was there to hook me. And I think actually the yeah. most interesting thing was what Sarah said there, that the, the, the way the women are treated as it mm. goes on. And I don't, obviously, when you're doing something like this, where it's about people getting their powers, the first episode has to show you all the people getting their powers. But I think because we saw that so many times, it does start to become a bit repetitive. Mm. And it I don't does. know if it would have been maybe dedicating an episode per character rather than having the four in this first episode I'm not sure how you would handle that but I think part of the problem perhaps was that it was the same story told four times Mm. in quite similar ways you know this could cause more harm than good and how do we harness it basically I think the show that I think it could have been better if it had been more like was Sense8. I don't know if any of you watch Sense8. I didn't. I know of it, though. Yeah, it's, it's an ensemble show. It's got a lot of heart put into by the directors. It's a clear passion project. It's got a vision and approach that I don't think this kind of has as much heart. It feels a bit more like a broadcast network TV type version as opposed to with the budget of something on Amazon as opposed to something like from the creators of Sense8. So, but again, I'm interested to see where it goes. Fans of Tony Collette, you'll be pleased to know that there's a lot more of her in the second episode. What was it called? Pieces of Her last year she did, and that was one that didn't really stay with me. I don't know. Did you see any of that, Milo? Didn't. No, I like found a... her TV career a bit odd in relation to the films mm. that she's been in. I really liked her editorial, of course. Fantastic in that. 
The I'm one thing I would recommend, unbelievable, if you never saw that on I Netflix, haven't. that was a story. It was all about a a serial rapist, but it was it's it was a true story done really well, and she was the lead uh, detective. It was her and Merritt Weaver were the two detectives, so that's it is one that we would recommend. Uh, the Power Prime Video. I think it's the first three. I don't really understand mm, it's how it's only Prime... the first three up at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Prime put their episodes on in a very odd manner, and I'm never sure how many episodes come per week or how many are there to start off with. It's not like Netflix is normally all there at once. Apple put the first three, and then it's one a week. It's it's odd um, streaming sites, but there very you go. Strange. Yeah. Talking of final one, we've got Apple TV Plus. First three episodes are there now, and I believe actually there'll be another one up there on on Wednesday. This is the Big Door Prize, another one adapted from. I think we've had all books this week, more or less. Uh, this is Emma Walsh. It focuses on Chris O'Dowd's character Dusty. He's a high school history teacher in a small town. He lives a seemingly content life with his wife, Cass, and their daughter, Trina. On the day of his 40th birthday, Dusty goes into the general store, notices that a machine called Morpho has mysteriously appeared. This machine allegedly reveals to its user their life potential. Uh, Gradually, the town's citizens begin to use it, uh, with most of them using their answer to fulfil a life's ambition or learn a new skill. Dusty's initially reluctant, uh, resisting the urge to use the machine. However, the thought about using it takes over his life as it goes on. And we get another Luke special. The scene where he uses the machine starts and ends the episode, learns his life potential, but the result is not necessarily to his liking. Now, I don't think either of you have read the book on this one. Um, Milo, what did you make to this? We'll start with I you. quite liked it. Again, it fits into that mould that Apple have been doing a lot with their shows and that it's very optimistic, it's good-natured, it's um, light sci-fi, I think, and mm. in the same way that Severance was. So it's not really full-on sci-fi, hard sci-fi. Sorry, um, I'd written it down as happy Severance. Yeah, that's good. Severance had a lot of rules and this is just like, mm. this is a machine, you get tickets yeah. from it and that's it. That's the only sort of sci-fi element really isn't it i hope i hope they keep it like that i hope they don't go into like a mystery of how the machine was made it's focusing on the characters seems to be good because the way they've written it you're laughing with them rather than at them and i think that's crucial to making this thing work um i don't think it would have worked if you were laughing at them and you want kind of want the best for them and to believe them and hope that they take and full advantage of their, I guess, potential. But I quite like this one. Um, I don't think it's one of Apple's best, but at the same time, I'm still definitely going to keep watching it. I don't think it grabbed me the same way as, say, Ted Lasso or um, even Hello Tomorrow, but it's definitely a very strong start, I think. Yeah, I think Apple, you know, like last year, were sort of hitting it out of the park on a regular basis, and this year we haven't had that one big like headline show from them have we we've had a lot of things like hello tomorrow as you said we reviewed dear edward uh, together and then there was like extrapolations which i yeah. really couldn't get a handle on and then towards the end of last year you had i think it was shantaram and echo 3 mm. as well like, yeah sorry, shantaram didn't get into it yeah the start of last year there was like severance and shining girls and after party and pachinko you know there was a lot of big hitters mm. 
slow horses as well so they've got a lot of like returning shows but they get to find that big sort of you know new shiny toy whereas i think with this i didn't feel like i'd wasted half an hour you know chris o'dowd brilliant comic turn playing this guy you know who's have i missed the boat am i happy where i am I, I liked the thing about seeing all these people who get like for example the head teacher at his school gets a thing about uh, being a, a biker and buy, uh, uses her pension fund to buy a, a motorbike. The owner of the store, his life potential is to be a magician and he, he starts learning tricks. So there's there's little bits here and there. There's there's sort of the question about faith and destiny. One of the, the characters is the, the local priest. The format that we'll take as well is just that I mentioned that the, the power should possibly should have done is it takes a character in each episode so we get dusty in this first episode i believe his wife is the central character in in episode two and then different citizens throughout the town as it as it goes on but i don't think anything about this was particularly memorable you know it it passed the time fine but i i was never really wowed by it what about you sarah i think i liked it a little bit more than you guys did yeah I just thought it was adorable and quite familiar to me, I think, at my time in life, uh, seeing a man who's 40 get a scooter and a helmet for his birthday and be absolutely delighted with it. And a, th- um, and a theremo- theremone? A theremone, yeah. Theremone, Ther- which is another mystery, I think, that th- that's going to be sort of built mm. into this. Yeah, any man slightly too old for a scooter, he is, of course, absolutely unselfconsciously delighted with this gift. And I think we see him as an innocent at the start. And then this morpho machine makes him sort of sit and think a little bit about whether he is truly satisfied in his life or not. Um, And that's it. These characters, their sort of self-consciousness is manipulated by this machine that's sitting there. But... Uh, what's the point of potential when that can just be squandered? I mean, ask my high school teachers. Give me an accurate <laughs> prediction and a roadmap on how to get there. Some of us just don't have go-getting characters, you know? Maybe I'd love a Harley Davidson, but can I be bothered to go out and learn to ride a bike? Probably not, no. <laughs> I, I thought it was just mysterious enough, and I liked how weird the people were and how weird the town was the tacky Italian restaurant with the fairground games that they go to for his birthday because basically it feels like it's the restaurant in town where there's um diners sitting on fake gondolas going around the place what do they call it like the rest restaurant and sports store or something like that yeah exactly sports center Giorgio's Um, restaurant and sports center yeah and and Giorgio this guy who thinks of himself as a local superstar and the prediction that the machine gives him is superstar which he's very happy with chris o'dowd says to him i think i have everything i ever wanted and he says maybe you didn't want enough and the table just goes silent for a few seconds and i'm like wow these questions are pretty deep aren't they Mm. for something that seems quite sort of funny and and a bit sort of flimsy so you would be intrigued to watch on then to see yeah i think i would um i'd love to know why it's called the big door prize i'm intrigued by that alone maybe i was in the wrong mood for it but i i wasn't wowed by it but i think you guys seem like intrigued and and it's one of those where you know you pick up with a different character each time so it you might like one of the stories more than the one that's come before but big door prize is there now on apple tv plus so yeah that's another podcast in the books something i forgot to do today was uh the plugs um <laughs> 
Sarah, uh, where can we find your writings and, and stuff? My like that? writings are at whynow.co.uk, and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Hamstera. Uh, Milo, anything to promote? Uh, yeah, I'm on Spoiler TV. I've just written a review of 1976, and you can find me on Twitter at AFC. And Letterboxd as well. Yeah, yeah, same sort of um, username there. And yeah, the Custard TV podcast, we are on all your podcast apps of choice. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe. Um, we will be back next week uh, with reviews of Netflix's Beef and Sky Atlantic's Dreamland. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.